Okay, welcome to the Oregon Gillingham podcast. Today, Elizabeth Caller from the Kinderhearted Classroom joins us. Elizabeth has taught at the elementary and high school level and is currently teaching kindergarten at the Acton Academy in Sacramento, California. She is here to chat with us about social emotional learning and student relationships. Thanks for joining us, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. What an, what an introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we're so glad you're here as well. This is Esther. I know this is the first time I've met you, and I'm so happy that you're um, you're joining us in, in some capacity at BrainSpring, and, and you're um, having fun with the Phonics First program, and I really look forward to uh, collaborating with you more. As Sam said, um, you, um, you're teaching uh, kindergarten currently, but I know that uh, last year you were... Um, basically in a virtual classroom um, with, with fourth grade. And um, I just kind of wanted to talk for a little bit about how in that setting, in that virtual setting, how you incorporated social and emotional learning into that uh, virtual setting. It's a great question. And it is it has been very challenging. And I think I can speak to most educators from this last year, whether they were hybrid, in person, or completely virtual like I was, um, the challenge when you're first starting a school year out completely virtually virtually, is building that relationship, you know, and that building that connection with the students is really the thing that creates that trust. And doing that virtually is really, really difficult. I was very fortunate the year before we went, you know, into the pandemic halfway through the school year, which meant that I had half of a year to connect with my students which honestly, as much as the pandemic has been awful, that was truly a gift to be able to have already established expectations and relationships. And so going into the pandemic, teaching virtually at that point, I was in, in kindergarten. Um, I felt like I at least you know, had the relationship portion and the students knew what to expect. Well, starting now another school year in teaching virtually, um, I went into it just like every other educator probably thinking, how am I going to connect with the students? So a few things that I did to build relationships, um, first of all, was to connect one-on-one with the students. And I did that uh, via Zoom. So I would call and schedule individual meetings with the students. Um, And then I did a variety of different things. I did this um, activity called a sip and chat. And these, these are actually strategies that you can use in, in person Uh, with your students, but I just kind of modified them with the technology that was then given to us. And um, so I did a sip and chat. So I would have the student make a hot chocolate and I would make a hot chocolate and we would, Mm. you know, sip and chat for 10 minutes. And there's a few strategies in the classroom. um, One of them being um, a one by 10. And I got this from my friend, Julie Adams, who wrote, um, Fully Charged, a great book on just, I think she has over a hundred strategies on how to build relationships. So um, that's a great resource. But the one by 10 is basically the strategy that says um, you, for one minute a day, Mm -hmm. 10 days in a row, um, pick 10 students to Mm -hmm. connect with. So a lot of times for me, that looked like going out to recess, I would bring my roster and I would just basically highlight the 10 students that I wanted to connect with one-on-one and I would pull them aside and just talk to them about things that interested them. Mm. Um, I mean, we all know the quote, you know, 
kids don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. And Mm -hmm. um, that is so true. Students can tell when you don't like them um, or don't have a genuine interest. And so that authenticity and connection is so important. So as it pertains to the virtual classroom, um, I would do the sip and chat. We would have specific Zoom meetings um, that were centered around classroom community where I would poke my head in. I would ask um, kind of a Socratic questions. I'd ask an open-ended question, get the students talking, really transferring that power to the students and giving them a voice Mm -hmm. um, really helped foster that connection um, and developed this in the students' curiosity. Um, What are some, what else are some things that I did? Um, I think also just communicating with the parents. Um, You know, I always say, I always, I don't know if you've ever read that book. Oh goodness. It's, a, it's called, I forget the name of the book. It's a, a book about every person has a bucket and oh, yeah. I always call it a love tank, right? So each of our students, you know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yep. So each of our students and each of our parents has a love tank. And as an educator, it's my, I feel like it's my job to not just be in touch with my students um, and feel constantly be depositing into their love tank but also the parents so that relationship too with the parents so whether it's me um emailing the parents or calling the parents directly I'll be really honest as a teacher we're we're tapped out and maxed out so one of the things that I I do and this might sound inauthentic but it's it's I feel like me being deliberate and connecting with the parents I would schedule out emails to go out on Fridays to certain parents at the beginning of the week, you know, when I would see something and it would just be a shout out. It'd basically be like, you know, little Johnny did such a good job being kind to his friend this week. And I just wanted to send you a note and let you know that I saw this and I, and, and it really is basically me just communicating to the parent that I see their child. Mm-hmm. Another thing, um, actually recently I just came across this, um, and just remembered it. It was a note that I had from my administrator from years ago. And she said, Elizabeth, always remember that each student in your classroom is somebody's child. Mm. This is, this is a child that somebody cares about and loves. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing, you know, more important than that child feeling the love and connection, but then also the parent Mm -hmm. understanding that when, when their when their child is with you, you know, that you genuinely care and love for them. And so, um, I think for me, the biggest, the, the biggest thing that I've uh, found, um, you know, that works well in the classroom as far as developing that um, relationship is genuinely caring and Mm -hmm. genuinely just trying to make those connections and ask those questions to the students that, um, you know, they, they can tell, they can tell Mm -hmm. when you're, you know, you don't connect with them or we aren't genuinely interested Mm -hmm. Um, so zoom was huge with that and just playing a lot of getting to know you games, Mm -hmm. um, and helping the students feel like they had a voice. I Mm -hmm. think that was probably the first step. Hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. Hey, I have a follow-up to that actually. Um, do you remember the teacher that you had when you were young that inspired you? and you knew that he or she loved you? I was very fortunate to have educators in my life that genuinely saw me and cared for me. And I say that um, 
almost just from a very honestly a humble perspective because I grew up with a single dad Mm -hmm. And we were dirt poor. We were actually homeless for six years. And Mm -hmm. I was the kid that went to school with dirty hair and wearing pajamas. I was the the Mm -hmm. student who went early to get breakfast, Mm -hmm. got free lunch and was starving after school, hoping Mm -hmm. that the after school care attendant would give me some extra snacks. Mm -hmm. And I was so fortunate to, and we moved a ton. So I was at, by the time I graduated, I had attended 12 different schools And I was so fortunate to have educators in my life who saw me. They didn't just see the curriculum guide or the scope and Mm -hmm. sequence, or they didn't just see a student who had no potential. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had educators who genuinely loved me. And then I had other educators who didn't, you know, I have, I have stories on both sides of that. Mm -hmm. But if I'm honest with you, it's the educators who, pulled me aside and had those one-on-one, that one by 10 that I was sharing earlier, that strategy, Mm -hmm. um, who made those connections with me that genuinely transformed my life. And actually it's one of the reasons that I'm an educator today because I I see the students and I I see Mm -hmm. the little girl that I was. And Mm -hmm. I was so thankful for the educators who looked at me and saw my potential Mm -hmm. and um, invested in me. And it's so much more, you know, teaching is so much more than just, going by the curriculum, you know, and, and, and and there's a ton of pressure in that too. We have to teach the standards and we Mm -hmm. have to go by the scope and sequences and we Mm -hmm. have to, you know, hit the deadlines, but also these are, these are real human beings with real feelings and emotions. And um, there is so much that can happen in, 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 as you develop that relationship with a student. And so I have a couple, I have actually, I've never shared this story. So this is going to be a, a brain spring exclusive, (laughs) um, Orton Gillingham exclusive story. Um, my teacher, my kindergarten teacher, um, her name was Mrs. Kinderheart. And so my online platforms actually inspired the Kinderhearted classroom was actually inspired by her. And she, I'm going to get emotional. Oh my goodness. Great name. That totally um, helped me understand and value the, um, the value of play in the Uh, classroom. And so as a kindergarten teacher myself, I try to incorporate as many hands-on play-based activities as I can. So Mm -hmm. I had many, many educators who totally blessed me and Yes. I am, I'm very, very thankful just trying to do my part and pay it forward. So. Yes. I love that story. What a, what a perfect name for a kindergarten oh. teacher. I mean, could you get any more perfect? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the Roald doll Matilda story with the best teacher in the world. And her name was Miss Honey. Isn't that the sweetest thing you ever heard? So, I mean, I, I, that's the sweetest teacher name I ever heard, Miss Kinderheart. That's so sweet. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. That's that is very, very special. Thank you. You think, Elizabeth, do you think that the all of these things for emotional support that you offer to the students, I can't help but think, are, yes, our students are definitely our number one priority for emotional health, but... We also work with staff members and colleagues that have been through, oh, the ringer, especially this past year. And it's just such a breath of fresh air to 
create a mindset that, you know, you don't even, you don't always just treat your kids with this respect, but we really need to extend that courtesy to our colleagues to build them up and keep them going in the right direction. Cause it's so easy to get caught up into the, all the things that you have going on and doing and the standards and the teaching and how far behind the kids are. And you start to really blame yourself and feel bad. Mm. Do you feel like you're doing a lot of that for your colleagues that you're working for Mm. too? Or as they're coming to you, do you feel like you're filling their buckets as well? Mm. Well, that is such a good point. And um, I shared at a conference this last week about classroom management. And before I before I even talked about how to develop a, like a, a good classroom management system, I talked about the importance of self-care. And we all know that quote, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I want to challenge that. And I, I talked about this in the conference that you really shouldn't be pouring from your cup in a way that takes away from your cup. You should be pouring from the overflow. Mm-hmm. And so if we, if we frame our, 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 our selves and our mindset in that way, um, it really does change how we approach the classroom and self-care. And so we, in my opinion, and just what I've found, the more time that I have practiced the pause and almost done like a check-in with myself and especially coming off of such a crazy year. I mean, I, to be honest, I can't tell you how many educators I've spoken with who have, who have left the profession, which is so sad, you know, to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very confident though that moving forward, I think that, I think we've all learned, you know, I think we've all gone through it. I think we've all learned. And I definitely sense this championing amongst the teaching community um, from educators that I've spoken with about the importance of self-care and teacher burnout is a real Mm -hmm. thing. And so I would just say, you know, taking care of yourself, making sure you're getting adequate sleep and unplugging and not comparing yourself to other educators. I think Instagram and YouTube and Pinterest are great, but when it becomes something that you're looking at and comparing yourself to, that's when it's not good for, it's not adding value to your, mm-hmm. yourself. And, you know, and so I hope, I don't know if that answers the question or not, but I think that, you know, self-care is a great place yeah. to start. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I've just kind of incorporated in, in my self-care routine is actually having a morning routine. And I know that sounds probably so juvenile, but having a morning routine where I get up and I don't, I unplug, I stay unplug, I plug my phone in the other room mm-hmm. and you know, I get it. I'm on social media and I'm, I run a business that's on social media and I, I have to be so deliberate and intentional about making sure that the first thing in my brain in the morning is, is not comparison on social media or mm-hmm. checking emails, but it's, you know, whatever it's praying or meditating or, um, reading a book or journaling, we we have practiced in our family um, gratitude journaling, which really kind of sets the tone for the mindset for our family in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you get to school, you you kind of like hit that reset button every day, and you're able to go in and pour from the overflow. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say I would just encourage you to like ask for help and. I've had, I, I'll be honest, I've been in relationships with other educators before where it was almost like an echo chamber where we kind of get together and t- kind of talk and complain. And I know how easy it is to fall into that cycle, but mm-hmm. I found the most growth and found the most balanced um, 
teaching work, personal life, when I'm with individuals who are not just feeding into the negativity, but they're offering resources and they're offering support, um, whether it's like, hey, you know, I think it's probably it's probably a good idea if you end up leaving the school by four o'clock, like that should be a hard boundary for you. And just setting up those, um, you know, those fail safes in, in your life that help you live a balanced life. I'm not sure. Hopefully that answers your question. It's just something I, I think about. Well, and we work with teachers, you know, I worked with kids for a long, long time and I never, you know, when you transition to working with adults, you don't feel like sometimes you lose sight of that, but that you have to treat them with the same kindness. You have to develop trust, rapport. Yes. So I'll give you an example. This week we're doing, you know, I, I, I typically do in-person trainings. And so I'm with my participants, but this week I'm doing live streams. So I'm in a studio with them on a screen, you know, and it's such a different dynamic in, but I, in just trying to get to know them, trying to make sure that I'm credible in what I'm saying, but then my tech skills for teaching that way are not in par with my tech, with my life, how I teach live in person. And so I can remember yesterday, I just felt so horrible about myself, mm. you know, and I was just drawn to the negativity but then when I got there today, they just started filling my buckets. And that's what made me think of it. I said, you know, as educators, we fill other people's, but it's so nice to get that reciprocated because it does recharge you for what you're doing and continue to do. And I just, sometimes we have to remind each other that. That's so good. I think the in-person element with the nonverbal feedback that you get, whether it's students or other um, teachers, it's almost like a little, like, yes, you're heading in the right direction as you're teaching. And I think that element, whether it's a lag from bad, you know, connection or lack of um, interaction, the online space can very much feel very disconnected. Um, I took a training through the Orton-Gillingham Phonics First at Brainspring, and I felt like my instructor, Laura, did such a great job at like using that ping pong strategy where she would throw a question out, expect a response, but would offer, um, offer a choice to, I'm going to say this wrong, but basically appealed to different learning modalities as, as educators. So we could respond in the chat, we could take a poll, we could answer live. And so I think that's another thing too, to remember is that there, while there, I, I totally understand what you're saying, uh, Ms. Brooks, about the, uh, almost feeling like you're, you're shackled and you're not even able to, to fully even express yourself as an educator and connect because of that disconnect with technology, right? Mm -hmm. um, but to be honest, this was the, the hardest year of my teaching career but I feel like it's the year that I grew the most because I have been so stressed and I can say probably for every, every teacher out there, it is, it has been so trying and you should pat yourself on the back because, um, and no, and I'm, I'm so thankful for podcasts like this because I think it's easy to be in your home on your computer doing your zoom 
close. I, I, the first year we went into the pandemic, I said goodbye to my 20 kindergartners on the last day of school on a zoom call. And I have never cried so hard as an educator mm. than that year, because I could not squeeze those kiddos in person. And I felt so out of control. And mm. I think as an educator, you know, educators give teachers, teachers are givers. And I think that's why we all kind of fall into that category of overworking ourselves because we see needs of students in our classrooms that we, we want to meet. And um, when you already feel constrained and then you add the disconnection with the technology on top of it, you can feel defeated. You can oh, absolutely, wow. teachers are already so hard on themselves and parents mm -hmm. are hard on teachers and, and students are hard on, and you know, mm -hmm. we take everything so personally. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I taught two years at a high school level, but I've spent a lot of my time in the primary grades and those students become your kids. I mean, in a sense, you see mm -hmm. measurable growth from the beginning of the school year to the end of the school year. And you can't help but feel almost the same proud that a parent would feel, right? Mm -hmm. um, because you're in, in the students' lives every day and you're seeing them grow and change and not just grow and change for themselves, but then impact other little lives. Mm -hmm. I was in the classroom today working with a student who looked at me and said, Ms. Collar, this is really challenging. And she's four and yeah. a half, you know, almost five. And I'm looking at her like, what yeah. a beautiful example of growth mindset. She's able to identify that this is challenging, but she's going to keep persevering and push through. Mm -hmm. And the same is true for educators. I think mm -hmm. one thing that we lack in the teaching community is just that re we need to remind ourselves that we are doing a good job. And there's going to be days when we, we, everything explodes and it mm -hmm. seems like nothing is working. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. just like we tell our kids, you know, you show up and do the best that you can with what you have, mm -hmm. reach out for help when you need it mm -hmm. and find, you know, I, I'm just of the belief that the, the people that you surround yourself with are going to be the people that you become like, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that whole birds of a feather flock together. Mm -hmm. So find educators and find a tribe that champions you mm -hmm. and that when you have a hard day you can go to for that extra support because you're going to need it like it's just a part of the job at this point mm -hmm. you know you're gonna you're gonna have hard days yeah so elizabeth <laughs> how did teaching through the the pandemic uh virtually how did that make you grow because you mentioned that you felt like you grew more um because of it. So how, how did, how did you change? How did you grow? That's a great question. So I would say teaching through the pandemic really stretched me to figure out ways. Um, for example, I'll give you an example. I think this is probably going to be the best thing. You know, every teacher knows their strengths and weaknesses, or at least we should be working to like be introspective and enough to know where we struggle and where our strengths are. Mm -hmm. Well, in the classroom, one of my strengths is classroom management. I really kind of take pride in that. So there'll be, there'll be teachers who come and ask me questions about how to set up a classroom management system and, and share on that. And then vice versa. I know that my, my struggle is I'm a workaholic. And if I see a need, I'm going to work, work, work. And, it, and typically what I do is I, I work until it's at the detriment of my own health or my family's mm -hmm. health. And that's not good either. So, um, 
in the pandemic though, when we went into the pandemic, classroom management became an entirely different, it was like in a totally different category. Right, I'm, right. I would say, so instead of saying things like, all right, you know, cover your, oh, I can see your spot at the carpet. It means you're, you're crisscross applesauce, make sure that you're, you know, all the, th- all of the in-person strategies that I would use or call out like class, class, yes, yes. Or um, coffee cup, let's stand up. All of those call outs and strategies that I would use. I had a doorbell that was wireless. Whenever I pressed that, that was our transition, right? Um, that became a completely different beast with the online. So now I'm saying things like, if I can, if you can see you picking your nose on the camera, I can see you picking your nose on the camera, right? <laughs> or your camera's not on, you know, it's all of those things that now all of a sudden you're having to come up with all of these strategies. And to be honest, that's the thing that really stretched me. I, uh-huh. I always have thought, I, I've always been afraid. I'll say this. I've always been afraid of becoming stagnant and becoming that teacher who just has the same routine all the time for 20 years and does the same thing over and over. And I didn't think that I was that teacher until the pandemic, until I had an opportunity to, like, I was basically forced to do something that was outside of my normal routine. And that's what was challenging for me. So figuring out how to on, on the cuff, like I got to come up with some kind of something here, an attention getter that's going to pull the students in um, was very humbling for me. And, Mm. and so just kind of, um going into the year embracing that you know I'm not I'm not going to know everything and there's really not a, there's not a blog post about this yet like this is all new for everybody and there really aren't so I need to be flexible and um and just accepting that I'm going to get it wrong you know I'm not going to get it right 100% but mm-hmm. just having that growth mindset you know just mm-hmm. embracing that we'll get there and I'm going to do the best I can with what I got yeah it's great perfect I have a lot of friends that kind of share the same thing and talking about how to, you know, when you're teaching content, you, if you've been teaching for a while, say you've been teaching the same grade, you kind of get in a comfort zone with the way you present Mm -hmm. things. And then when they went virtual, they had to strip that down completely and you're presenting it and almost through a backdoor approach and trying to having to modify just everything it was so they they kind of call it well they use the term raw teaching Mm. where you just really you go in with your eyes you know your hands tied behind your back and you have to teach someone to do something with their hands when they don't have hands and so that's kind of what they said but then they said it really did open their eyes to using multi-sensory teaching in a way and not getting caught in the same mundane way of presenting things, but they really had to stretch themselves in some ways. And so not only that, but just growing in your content in your way that you're presenting information and your instructional skills are just, they really, if you reflect on them, they start to explode in how and what you're able to do and how many accommodations that you can provide. And then what you're okay with doing too, because sometimes there are some teachers that need to get themselves acceptance that yes, you can teach this a different way and you're going to get better outcomes. So did you find that when you were switching back and forth from virtual to in-person? You know, one of the things that I found most valuable in the whole growing and being stretched 
this last year was that um, it wasn't just me that was growing. The students were having to learn right along with me and grow and, and learn how to learn in a brand new way, right? And so I really think as hard as this last year was, and I know that there were, I've talked with parents and teachers, uh, friends who have, who have kids and have said, you know, I'm so concerned that my kid got behind this last year or my students are going to be behind and I don't feel like they're prepared for this next year. I am so encouraged. And I mean, this is my own opinion, but I am so encouraged by the amount of resources that we've all, the new resources that we've all had to learn. Cause I feel like going into this next year, we are just that much more equipped and we've not only, we've not only learned, you know, how to do in-person, but now we've got all of these tools, technology tools, apps, like, you know, class dojo and prodigy and one-to-one with Google classroom, mm-hmm. all of these resources now that kindergarten and first grade and second grade students have basically had to be forced to the table to come mm-hmm. and consume at the table to learn. And so, and parents too, parents too are in that category. Um, so I, I honestly, I'm very optimistic. <laughs> Maybe I'm too optimistic about this next school year, but I'm, I'm excited too, because I think so many parents and, and students and teachers are so craving the hands-on, but all of these, there's a ton of companies now who have come up with multi-sensory, um, options for their curriculum that integrate technology that integrate the hands-on and so we're going to be able to come to the table this next school year and have so many resources i think really the struggle is going to be how to pare down the resources um, in a way that just meets the needs of the students but there's so many different options out there now that we've all kind of been forced to consume um, but i think are in the end just going to add a lot of value to the the classroom and, and teachers in general yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Yes. And don't you feel like the, you know, it seemed like parents were kind of separated. A lot of parents felt separated from the school, but in turn now, I really don't think that this has made them re-engage with not only their school, but their children's education and not just leaving it to when they, you know, when they drop off their children at school, they said, well, the teacher will take care of all of that. Now it's more like we've engaged each other again. And I thought that that was a positive effect as well. Well, I I can't see anything but positive. I was just going to say, I just, with with what you've been saying and the way that you fill buckets and the way that you're, you know, positive about the future and um, can see the positive in, in a terrible thing like this pandemic, you know, there's, there's no doubt that, that, for your classroom and for, you know, the people who watch your pod, listen to your podcast or watch your videos and um, go to your conferences uh, that you're spreading some, you're doing a really great service to everybody by spreading this positivity because that's what we need to be focusing on. Absolutely. That's, it's all good. (laughs) So thank you for doing that for us. That's amazing. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I, I feel very lucky to be surrounded by individuals who promote individual authenticity. So everybody has been gifted differently. Mm -hmm. And I think we really do a disservice to our students and even to our staff when we try to fit people into a certain mold. Mm -hmm. And I think letting individuals shine and use their gifts and talents, um, how they were created to, to, 
to shine, I think is one of the things that adds the most value to our classrooms and society and relationships. And so, um, so I feel very blessed to be surrounded by people who encourage that in me. And I try to do the same thing with my students. I want every student who comes into my classroom feeling seen and loved and feel like they have a voice and their voice matters and that when they're gone, they're missed. There's a, you know, little Johnny sized hole in the classroom. And when he doesn't show up, we all feel it. Mm. Yes. Oh, I want to so thank nice. you so much for being with, here with us. Uh, it's been really inspiring and fun to talk to you. And and I can't wait to see uh, how we're going to all collaborate together because I've been watching some of your videos and they're so funny and I, and so, you know, some very, very serious and some very, um, very heartwarming. And, you know, uh, I, I watched the one about potty talk. Cause I, you know, that would be the first one I would look at, you know, cause I thought that was so funny. Um, but, but I, I, I know we're all going to enjoy each other and it's been a really great talking with you. Thanks for coming on. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. And I also, I look forward, after completing the training with Phonics First and um, the Orton-Gillingham um, training through BrainSpring, mm -hmm. I, well, first of all, the community seems amazing. I, I've just had nothing but just wonderful interactions with everyone. But then also, I'm excited to use the Phonics First curriculum in my classroom. Yeah. I think it's going to be a tool that really helps just adds value to the students. And so I'm, I'm excited to have gone through it and come out on the other side, um, seeing the impact that, you know, even if I have friends who have gone through it, I was talking to somebody today who um, went through it and mm -hmm. as a student and she's, she was dyslexic and she said it was just mm -hmm. tools that she was able to use and um, has added so much value to her life. So awesome. I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me here today. Um, what an amazing community. And yeah, we look forward, look forward to what the future holds. Yeah. Thank you. Me too.